Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where overnight we released a very big, important part of our election integrity investigation. We've been doing it Just the News at Real America's Voice with the Star newspapers. Lots of progress being made. And uh, I want to point this story out to you. It was written by uh, two colleagues that you've heard on this show many times, Christine Dolan and Daniel Payne. Uh, and it is a composite of interviews of real voters that we track down first through data analysis, then through phone calls, and then through interviews, and in some cases are even affidavits or declarations. These are voters that experienced real and unusual behavior uh, around re- receiving, voting by, or getting rejected by absentee ballots. And they have a compelling story to tell. These things cannot happen as they have described them, these voters who don't know each other, they're from different parts of the state in Pennsylvania, uh, but uh, these voters are all Pennsylvanian, and they report several things. They had ballots sent to their home, absentee ballots that they didn't request. They had instances where they filed their absentee ballot and they were told it, it wasn't going to be counted or hasn't been counted still, even today, two weeks after the election. Some of them said they... Uh, didn't vote, but they're listed as voting and they can't understand why. Um, These are the sort of irregularities that show that if there was malfeasance, if there was structural problems in the election system of Pennsylvania, these are the sort of witnesses that can say, I'm the victim. It actually happened to me. Here's what happened. Uh, All of these folks have amazing stories to tell. If you haven't had a chance, go to justthenews.com and pull up this story by Daniel Payne by Christine Dolan. Uh, It has been the work of two weeks of nonstop reporting. We had to go through tens of thousands of voters and try to find those whose votes or ballots looked anomalous. For instance, um, there are people who left the state of Pennsylvania or Georgia or others, and yet were were, were, uh, listed as having received an absentee ballot in their old state. That doesn't make sense. Or worse yet, they were listed as voting in an old state where they hadn't lived for a couple of years. We had to do that level of data analysis. Then you got to reach out to people. Then you got to convince people to talk to you. Then you got to get their stories. Then you got to go confirm their stories. So over the last two weeks, we've done that in extraordinary, painstaking fashion. And this is the first of what will be many stories about what we found and where we're headed. Um, Please check it out at justthenews.com. Now, today is about more of the Election Integrity Project. And we've got a fantastic guest, somebody that knows something about unusual elections. He was the target of a recount election in Wisconsin. He survived it. One of the few political leaders in American history to serve, uh, to uh, survive a recall uh, and a recount in, uh, in Wisconsin. It's the former governor of Wisconsin, Scott Walker. He has a lot to offer. He's seen a lot of things on the ground in the Wisconsin 2020 vote that he wants to comment on. I'm pretty certain he has his own theories about what went on around the state, what President Trump and his legal team should be doing, what the country at large should be concerned about uh, in the integrity and honesty and transparency of our elections. That's something that Scott Walker talks about often. Uh, he was a you know very strong, uh, um, clear conservative. Not Wisconsin isn't always a conservative state. 
but he he made a connection with the people of Wisconsin and and uh, won election twice and, and survived a recall because one of his arguments was it's about transparency. And yeah, you might not agree with me, but at least I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And he sees in this election with these absentee ballots a true violation of the trust, the promise of transparency. And he has a lot to talk about in Wisconsin, including not keeping the voter rolls uh, current, um, giving large numbers of people an opportunity to skip the voter ID law he put in place when he was governor, some unusual turnout rates in places of the state where 90% turnout should be a red flag. And uh, he's going to talk to us about all of that, put it into perspective, give us some sense of what he thinks may have gone on and where the opportunities are. I get the uh, strong sense that um, Governor Walker believes that there's a strong legal challenge to be made. And today, as we are doing the interview, we know that the Trump campaign has gone to the two largest metropolitan centers in Wisconsin, Milwaukee County around the city of Milwaukee, Dane County around the city of Madison, the capital, and asked for a re-canvas um, uh, to check on types of votes that the Trump campaign argues may be uh, inappropriate to have been cast or counted. That's a big development, and I think Governor Walker is going to be able to explain to us why it is that Wisconsin lends this opportunity to the Trump legal campaign, what may be found, and what we can learn that can be applied in other states. Do you know? Should Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Las Vegas, and, and the Nevada area be looked at through the same lens of, of similar behaviors in four major blue states uh, that may indicate that there was a pattern or coordination in the tactics, strategies, rule changes, vote counting methods that were employed that have caused at least the Trump campaign and its supporters to believe that they have been uh, robbed of votes or uh, in some way mistreated in the election. So we're going to get to Scott Walker in just a second. Um, before we do, just a quick word uh, about Just the News. We continue to grow. We had our special yesterday on television. If you haven't had a chance and you want to watch Just the News programming every day, Carrie uh, Sheffield's Just the News AM at 9 a.m. in the morning, David Brody's Watercooler at 4 p.m., Eric Greitens' Actionable Intelligence at 6 p.m., the specials that we do at Just the News combined with Real America's Voice. Tune in. Uh, on um, Pluto Channel 240 on Dish Network 219, or a very simple thing you can do. You can go to the iOS, Apple Store, and the Android Google Store and download the America's Voice app and watch uh, it on your phone whenever you want, on demand, on your iPad. Uh, you also can just simply go to justthenews.com slash TV and watch the live channel or the recorded shows at any time on demand. But check us out. Our TV network is growing. Our partnership is growing. Millions of Americans are now watching Just the News programming and Real America Voices program every week. Uh, that's, a, that's a big number. That's not a small number. That's a big number. We want you to check it out. Tell us how we're doing. Tell us how we can get better. Give us ideas for shows and guests and questions and, and topics and become part of this incredible ecosystem that we're building at justthenews.com and at realamericasvoice.news, the partnership for television, good content. If you're tired of your normal cable news fare, whether it's Fox or CNN or Newsmax or whatever, check us out. Give us a chance. 
you might like what we're trying to do. Um, I certainly love what you try to do for us, all the support, all the ideas, all the tips that you send in in our um, tip box on the website, <clears throat> our, our notes to the webmaster, all greatly appreciated. And many of you have asked, hey, I want to do donate to support uh, the um, election integrity review project that your reporters have been doing. Uh, there's a little donate button up in the masthead if you're on the um, uh, on the website, on the desktop, or otherwise it's in the accordion on the mobile. If you want to donate one time to help us out, we'll be glad, gladly take that uh, gracious assistance. We're putting every penny we get back into the election integrity review, and we thank you for that. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Scott Walker, the former governor of Wisconsin, joins us. There is a lot to talk about election integrity when it comes to the great state of Wisconsin, where, by the way, I lived and worked for eight years and met my beautiful wife, Judy. All right, we'll be right back with Scott Walker right after this commercial break. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a man who knows something about elections and electioneering, the former governor of Wisconsin, Scott Walkers. Uh, governor, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Great to be with you. Uh, you, you have, uh, it's great to have you, in, and particularly in this incredible time when people are trying to sort through all of the, the questions about this incredible election that we just went through. Um, you had an amazing experience. You went through a recall. You, you uh, challenged a lot of things and in, in, uh, exposed a lot of things in the Wisconsin election system. Uh, what do you make of what we just went through, starting with your own home state of Wisconsin and what you might be seeing in some of the other neighboring states like Michigan, Pennsylvania? Yeah, it, well, it is remarkable. I mean, the hallmark of a close and contested election, as I've gone through many times uh, statewide in, in my own case and, and helped others like the president, Ron Johnson, and others right. here in Wisconsin, and other candidates across the country, is when you have a close contested election like this, you want to have transparency, which then leads to legitimacy. If you don't have transparency, then the legitimacy of the outcome of the election uh, obviously calls into question. And that's what we're seeing across the country. We've certainly seen it of late in Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan. And, and uh, for many, looking at the results coming out of Wisconsin, not only the results, but the timeliness of those, uh, that's where the transparency has to kick in. And when you have transparency, even if there's anomalies or somewhat unusual circumstances, if you can see where and when, uh, that goes a long way. But when you can't see that, of course, the, the worst examples to me of lack of transparency was the 
uh, images of Philadelphia and Detroit right. where they put a block, you know, they actually put plywood and, and, and a cardboard in front of the windows so people couldn't see in. If anything, I think in moments like this, you want the whole world to see. You want everybody to see exactly what you're doing so no one can call in the question. And unfortunately, we've seen that all too often, whether it's putting up plywood or just counting ballots late at night in the middle of the night when people thought that they were going to wait till the next day. All those things, I think, raise very serious and legitimate questions. Yeah, it, it, and, and it seems to be systemic, right? We see it in multiple places, un, unlike in earlier elections. So we've seen it in, in many places. We, we've talked to poll watchers in at least six states who either were prevented from being able to see things or outright ejected from the room or tricked uh, to leaving the room claiming they were going to shut down. Do you think there was a systemic effort that someone was training or trying to um, uh, impair uh, transparency in a more systemic way, or do you think it just happened organically in the various places where we're now seeing it? Well, that's where we need to, we need to have, I think, those calling for an audit, some sort of review, further investigation, uh, however you want to define it, I think it's very appropriate because you know, oftentimes it, it, it's uh, we've had both in Wisconsin in years past, not just in my elections, but others all the way back to 20 years ago. I, I still remember helping out then Governor George W. Bush. Wisconsin was so close in that election. It was about, on average, about one vote per ward difference between right. Al Gore and George W. Bush. And you might remember at the time, a long time ago now, but we had the infamous smokes for votes where someone from Fifth Avenue in New York City literally came into the city of Milwaukee. I forgot about that. the homeless shelters. Yep. Uh, it was just something where, total fluke, one of the cameramen for uh, a photojournalist for Channel 12, the ABC affiliate in Milwaukee, happened to be standing outside of City Hall a few days before the election and saw something unusual and just turned his camera on, kept it on the ground, tilted it up. And what was happening was all these people ended up being homeless people were coming out of the Milwaukee City Hall, having voted early, and there was a big bunch of vans out there, and this woman was handing out uh, cartons of and boxes of cigarettes. Wow. But we went and we found at all the homeless shelters, we, we followed around. She was dumb enough to actually sign in there under her own name, and we got the surveillance <laughs> videos, and she right? later got charged by the district attorney, but was literally promising uh, boxes wow. of cigarettes to people go vote for, for Al Gore. So... We've seen it before. So in that case, it was absolutely coordinated, premeditated, organized. In other instances, we've just seen, you know, absolute incompetency where they forgot batches of absentee ballots. And we subsequently, days after the election, went through and verified every one of those. And it wasn't corruption in those cases as much as it was just incompetence. But in either case, it undermines the legitimacy uh, of an election if people aren't accountable for what's happening. Yeah, that's the key thing. And, and accountability and transparency, like you said, I think really is what has given Americans so much confidence in the system for so long. And this year, we we're, seem we're to be lacking in some of it. Uh, let's drill down in Wisconsin, where we had this incredibly close race. 20,000 votes separates the candidates. Um, President Trump outperformed, I think, any Republican in the history of state. If I'm doing my math right, maybe by about 200,000 votes more than any other Republican in the history, right? Of Wisconsin, it's astronomical. The, the turnout uh, across the board uh, was phenomenal for the president. The turnout overall was phenomenal. Obviously, just about everybody who's ever even thought of, of voting in a presidential election turned out, and the president did much, much better uh, than expected, uh, both uh, uh, in terms of geography in different parts of the state, but right. also in terms of demography. Uh, 
there as well. Uh, it did exceptionally, exceptionally well, uh, but still, at least in the final count that the state has, and that's part of the question, right. uh, is still just a fraction. As, as I said all along, when these people, I think ABC News was predicting in one of their polls, the Washington Post. 17%, right? Something like, yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I've been saying for the you last knew. year, yeah. this is going to be razor thin, just like it was four years before. Right. I felt confident the president would win, but I, I told that to president supporters, don't don't assume it's going to be a blow. It's going to be really, really close, Yeah. Uh, probably as close as it was four years prior. And that's exactly what happened. The polls were wrong and our predictions were right. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Now, when you look at the final results, how much confidence do you have that Wisconsin has the right vote count at this point, almost you know, a little more than two weeks from, from Election Day? Do you feel like the issues well, in Wisconsin are wrapped up, or do you have some concerns? No, I have concerns, and I think it's legitimate. I told them early on it is a high bar legally with the recount, but it's something they need to be prepared to do, and, and I'm hopeful they will do it going forward. Uh, because they need to be in a position to be able to to make challenges out there. The the canvas and why I said canvas first, then the recount different than some states. Right. But the canvas has been conducted for the past two weeks. The official statewide canvas is actually done announced on December first, and that's when they certify the, the the election results themselves before the electors go in the middle of December as they do across America to vote. But the the, the reason the canvas first was of, of interest to me is we had, it's not happened often, but nine years ago in a statewide election for the state Supreme Court, uh, there was a situation where they didn't find ballots, but they found in that canvas that there were votes that had been cast that night in the city of Brookfield in Waukesha County, which is a fairly Republican area, right. that had not been included on the county's tally by the county clerk. And so once they did the canvas, 14,000 plus new votes were added. And they went from a very liberal candidate winning on election night, as it appeared, to the incumbent conservative jurist who won by, in the end, then by thousands of votes. Uh, but that was because of an error, as we've seen errors uh, across the country popping up here and there for a variety of reasons. So one, the canvas is important. But then secondly, with the recount is going back and, and looking particularly in, in key counties. Uh, you alluded to this, but but why is there such remarkable levels of turnout? It is possible. We found it two years ago, city of Madison, the second largest city in, in the right. state of Wisconsin, where the University of Wisconsin campus is at. They had over 90% turnout there. But part of that was uh, because the liberals put uh, uh, in that community put a non-binding referendum on marijuana usage on the ballot. And of course, they got tremendous uh, turnout far greater than they historically had in a gubernatorial year. Tremendous turnout among students, not just of registered voters who were then voting, but of people who had not voted before, because Wisconsin has same-day voter same registration, registration laws. Right. We also have a yeah, we also have photo ID, which I signed in the law. Thank goodness. Uh, so it's uh, one more check than uh, than many states have. But you still have same-day voter registration. So theoretically, could you have a ward where you know, 500 people were registered to vote and more than 1,000 people in a voting. You could because if there were eligible voters uh, who showed up on Election Day in, in, you know, unprecedented numbers to register to vote and then voted, you could have that. But again, that typically 
raises a red flag as to why did so many in some wards, some communities, and not in others, when you saw statewide and nationwide, uh, these just historic or, or near historic numbers uh, of turnout in a presidential election. Yeah, no, it, it really is remarkable. I mean, uh, it's uh, you know, I was out in Wisconsin in the summer and um, uh, everybody was talking about the election and, and people that, you know, are my friends that I didn't consider political, they were all really engaged this time. And uh, it really does speak volumes to how much this uh, president has electrified the, you know, the, either side, either for him against him. You're sure talking about him all the time. And I saw that in Wisconsin. Now, you you mentioned the 90 percent threshold that you saw out in Dane County in uh, by Madison. In Milwaukee County, we, we did an analysis from the final tallies, and it looks like 90 of the 400 wards um, had a turnout of 90 percent or more. And I want to, you know, in in old days, and they used to call it, that would be called Soviet-style voting, right? 90% only happens right. in the Soviet Union. Is it possible or is there a reason to suspect that anything went on in, in Milwaukee where you have such a huge uh, turnout where 90% of eligible voters are listed as voting in those uh, wards? Well, it certainly is inconsistent with past historical trends. Um, now, 2020, this present, this election is – uh, completely different than the past. So right. uh, I always hesitate to say, you know, compare it to the past, but it does, particularly for specific wards, raise questions about going back. I've suggested to the party and, and the president's campaign and representatives uh, in Wisconsin that one of the things they should do is even if they don't contact every person, they should do samples on these wards, go out and actually try and track down um, some of the voters that were in these areas that have exceptionally high turnout just to see, just to do a sample. And then if you found, if you, you know, one of two things, either you find every single person you've contacted in that sample says, yes, I voted. Right. Um, yes. You know, I registered on that day. Or if you start to see a trend where you find people that, that aren't, you're not able to find or who say they didn't vote, um, then you have an opposite trend out there. But I, I think you have to do that. Uh, and that's part of, whatever had happened, not just in the recount, but if there was any sort of a legal challenge or any other involvement in court, those are the sorts of tangible uh, things that you'd have to point to, uh, not just looking at statistical evidence uh, in terms of questioning whether it could happen or not, but actually try and find, um, it wouldn't have to be many, but at least some examples uh, of, that would help validate uh, the case one way or the other, either. Yeah. A problem, which I think a lot of people think there was, or again, like I said, if you found every single person in your sample acknowledged that they indeed had voted and they were eligible to vote, well, then it would encourage you to put your time and resources elsewhere. Yeah, without a doubt, you would, you would answer the question quickly and just know that there was a really engaged citizenry in 2020. Um, now, you mentioned signing the. Well, and that's the other. Oh, yeah. That's the other point that people overlook in this is that, particularly in some of our large urban areas, the one thing that does make it unusual from the past is that unlike previous Republican nominees for president, this president really put time and effort, both personally and his campaign put resources into targeting voters in some of those very densely populated urban wards uh, because of his message, specifically not only African-American, but the Hispanic voters. And so I think that doesn't explain everything, but it does explain some of the larger turnout because it wasn't just Democrats saying, hey, turnout for our guy. 
right. it was uh, Donald Trump's representative yeah. saying, yeah, hey, we're making a real case for, for you to vote for the president. Yeah, great point. Well, we're going to do that. We actually have a canvas underway in about five wards that we're targeting where we're calling voters. We're, we're just waiting to get the final day of voters because it's hard to get the names until like the 19th yep. or 20th. But we should have those soon. And we're going to we're going to dig into that. We found some really interesting things in Pennsylvania and Michigan in making similar calls, which we're going to uh, be talking about in the next couple of days here at Just the News. Um, you talked about uh, signing the historic voter ID law in which, you know, uh, got a lot of attention and I think brought a lot of respect to the election process. There was an unusual thing that happened this year. We saw the number of people who are considered, I guess, homebound would be the, the layman's term for it, uh, that were allowed to exempt themselves from um, uh, some of the voter ID uh, uh, requirements by claiming that because of COVID, they couldn't leave the home and therefore they couldn't get a witness and therefore they didn't have to have certain uh, parts of the identification. It jumps up like from, I think, math was like 70,000 people were considered in that class in the last couple of elections. And it's like 230 to 250 this year. It was a change that the Wisconsin Election Commission made, not one that the legislature made. Do you think there's any irregularity there or is there any constitutional issue where the Wisconsin Election Commission, which is basically unelected bureaucrats, non-legislative people, are able to make rule changes that the legislature itself did not uh, sanction? Well, I think there's a real concern there, and I would add to that, uh, you had the clerk in both Milwaukee County and the clerk in Dane County, two of the largest areas and two of the more liberal, traditional Democrat voting areas, uh, pushing, encouraging people uh, to go out and, and actively invoke this. Right. Uh, so you, you had a concerted effort in the areas where it would be most uh, beneficial for Democrats to have high turnout, uh, particularly amongst people using absentee voting. Uh, obviously ballots for voting. And so I think that's a real concern. It goes back to what I said before about transparency uh, leading to legitimacy. The other part of it is in Wisconsin, certainly in Pennsylvania, where, my goodness, the state Supreme Court ignored the state statutes and the, yeah. and the, the decision of the state legislature to set the rules, which is what the Constitution calls for uh, in terms of who determines the electors. Uh, but in any of these instances, there. They should be strictly following the rule of the law. Uh, we had a similar dispute that went through the courts where the legislature uh, passed, and, and as governor, I signed years ago, a requirement to clean up the voter rolls to ensure that That's the people right. who were living there were actually people living there. Well, that went back and forth and challenges out there. The mere fact that there were people trying to argue they shouldn't do that. Um, no matter whether you like the law or not, it was the law. Right. Uh, no one's changed the law. No one ruled it unconstitutional. You don't get to just pick and choose which laws you follow, which ones you don't. And, and along the way, many in the media falsely uh, labeled it as a purge. It wasn't taking voters off. It was clearing up and making sure that people could validate that they actually lived there. And of course, as I mentioned, in a state with same-day voting, uh, registration uh, being allowed. If for somehow there was a mistake that someone didn't get the notice or didn't get the requirement, they can still show up with their photo ID and not only vote, but register to vote if for some reason they were on the on the list and, and ignored all the, the notices sent to their home, if that indeed was their home. And but the it, bottom line is they got to follow the law. Yeah, that's that's a, the remarkable thing that there were exemptions to these laws, and it is in many states. It isn't just Wisconsin, but there are unelected bureaucrats or elected bureaucrats who made changes that were not 
uh, part of the legislature. And I, I, I all over Pennsylvania, yeah. not only with the, the ones postmarked after the election, right. uh, that obviously in clear dispute, which is why Justice Alito was brilliant to, to make that order to, to isolate those ballots, those right? Votes so there, yeah, so there could be a challenge. Uh, but, but also just equal protection, I think, is a very legitimate uh, uh, equal treatment under law being different in whether you were in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh versus other parts of uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. That's exactly what was at the heart of the case back 20 years ago yep. uh, between George W. Bush and Al Gore in Florida. So yep, a lot of issue. similarities. I think long term beyond just uh, addressing this now, one of the biggest untold stories uh, in American Election Day was that despite all the polls and many of the media outlets who claimed a, a blue wave, that Republican legislative majorities not only were maintained across the America grew. in the states, but they actually grew by three yeah. and, and added a Republican net, net gain of a Republican governor. Why that's important is not just for the map, but because of two things. One, redistricting and legislative and congressional boundaries in most states is determined by the legislature. A few have commissions and some will be split, have the courts. But the other big thing is the heart of this issue, which is uh, every one of these states needs to come and re-examine their election laws. Uh, we made a cleanup, like I said, with voter ID. We made a cleanup with, with not having such wide open early voting in places like Milwaukee and Madison at the expense of some of the smaller communities who weren't able to do that. But I think uh, American uh, states and, and jurisdictions need to look closely, just asking a simple question, why do we have, whether you call it ballot by mail or whether you call it open-ended absentee balloting, I think we need to re-examine. I think most Americans were surprised to know that most of our allies in the world, most of the, uh, I believe all of the other major industrialized Western nations, do not have that sort of mail-in balloting system instead vote in person. Right, And uh, I think we need to re-examine that. It, the reason they do it elsewhere is to guarantee the integrity of the vote. And I think short of people legitimately being shut in in a hospital or at a certain age where they're unable to get out or, or overseas in the military, things like that, short of that, I'd like to get back to a point where we just all voted in person on election day. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people that feel that way really strongly, particularly after what they witnessed this year, whether it was the boarding of the windows or um, the uh, sudden stop of counting of votes that didn't make ex sense or massive swings in vote totals when you woke up the next morning after the election. Uh, there's a lot of people that have um, that. We, we had a, um, a poll yesterday, just the news, 40 percent of Americans, you know, a large plurality believe that uh, fraud affected this election. That when that large a segment of our country doesn't have confidence in the greatest voting system that was ever created in the world, uh, we know we've got a, a task ahead of us. On uh, in Wisconsin specifically, given all the things that you just talked about, the, the change in the the shut-ins, uh, the um, the efforts by the the a couple of big county clerks and city clerks to exploit that, uh, the failure to purge the or to um, update the rolls as required by the law. Do you think there is a good legal challenge that should be filed in Wisconsin that would call into question the margin of victory? I absolutely think they should in Wisconsin and, and in a number of these other battleground states. Uh, and I, I not only I think there's a good challenge, but I think we owe it to the tens of millions of people who voted for the president and the vice president, many of whom were first-time voters and or uh, first-time voters for a conservative candidate. We owe it. Uh, to each and every one of them uh, to uh, 
to continue this fight. Right. Al Gore did it all the way through the middle of December. So for all the hype and hysteria on the left uh, about uh, dragging this out and, and not conceding, uh, there is no legal requirement. The, the AP and every other media outlet doesn't get to call the election. Uh, the election is, is ultimately determined once the electors uh, from each of the states vote and the members of Congress uh, sign off on, on that, uh, ultimately approving what they've done. And short of that, uh, any candidate of any party has every legal right to pursue uh, all the legal uh, efforts going forward. And that's why I think they need to do it in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, maybe Nevada, yeah. uh, for sure, with all the questions out there. Especially Michigan, what happened in Clark Carney the other night where you had a, one, one whole race has been thrown out in Clark Carney where 150,000 votes were <laughs> cast. It's uh, it's exactly. pretty pretty remarkable. Uh, you've always been a guy that likes to fix things, and, and a lot of your, your term was about fixing problems that had long been hanging around Wisconsin. We're going to get through this election. We'll figure out on January 20th who our president is. Obviously, we have an election system that's in disarray and, and has grown distrust. How would you go about uh, trying to restore American confidence in the system? Is it a commission? Is it a congressional effort? Is it a bipartisan effort? What would you do to restore, uh, answer the questions and restore uh, the, the lack of confidence that this election seems to have brought about to so many Americans? They have to turn to the states. Uh, I looked uh, specifically to the governor's. Uh, I think the, the governors, the National Governors Association, good spot where you've got Democrat and Republican governors alike because you don't want to fix it in just the red states and have problems in the blue states or vice versa. Right. Uh, but I think it is legitimate uh, for the governors and then in turn for them to work uh, with the state legislatures because this is really not what's well, a national issue. It's not a federal issue. Right. This is not something that should be fixed at the federal level. Uh, maybe the role the federal government could have in is in terms of providing some funding to the states to, to then pass on to local jurisdictions so that uh, every place in America can have um, you know, the proper polling locations, the proper staffing, uh, things of that nature, which sadly in, in some jurisdictions have been a bit of an afterthought, but it should not be a federal solution. I, I would suggest a series of guidelines that then become part of a interstate compact, right. uh, again, where the sovereignty of the state is still maintained, but where they can say, you know, we agree that voting should entail, you know, these, what, 8, 10, 12, whatever the right number is, principles. And, and we're, we're, as a state, joining with other states in agreement on that. We're committed to doing that. But it doesn't in any way involve the federal government taking away the sovereignty of the states in that regard. I think that would go a long way. But I, and I, I think part of it has to be an open and honest discussion about uh, early voting and absentee voting, except in very limited, very obvious situations. And, and part of that discussion has got to be an eye-opener to what other industrialized nations do. I, I think most Americans would be shocked to see how far out of whack we are with most of our allies. Yeah, that really is a key thing. And the, the idea of a, you know an interstate compact would be really interesting to uh, get some consensus. A lot of the issues are right in the middle and Midwest, and so right there you could create a coalition of people that could agree on good practices. That's a really great idea I hadn't heard before. Well, time uh, to do it is now too. You want to yeah. do it, you know, post post January, but but it's too close to the next election, then it becomes politicized. These are the things you can do once you know once office holders are put into office. But don't wait too long after that, or or uh, it'll pop up again. 
right around election time, and uh, that's not the time to make those changes. The time a, would be in the short order here. Yeah, such a great point. Yeah, we get this a little moment where we shed partisanship a little bit, and that's the time to strike, I think. Um, yep. Well, Governor, as always, you always bring so much great information and thought and analysis. I really want to thank you for joining us. And uh, as this thing drags out, I'm sure we're going to need you back to help us make sense of it, particularly in the great state of Wisconsin. So I want to thank you so much. My pleasure. Glad to be with you. All right, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Folks, we're going to come right back after this commercial break to wrap things up. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. So glad you joined us. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Scott Walker. He's a guy that talks straight and um, has a lot of ideas and really understands after being through a a recall and a recount in Wisconsin. uh, He really understands 
how election integrity issues can play out, what games and tricks can be played, what levers and legal rights people have. And I think he laid out not only a perspective for his home state of Wisconsin, where only 20,000 votes separate the two candidates, I think he laid out an entire paradigm for how we can evaluate the other states where election integrity issues are ongoing and what we can do as a whole country to come together and try to fix this, tighten up the system, improve the greatest voting and democratic constitutional republic system in America. It's obviously this election created some stressor points, some failures, some significant distrust, as our Just the News poll shows. 40% of Americans think some form of fraud occurred in the election. We're better than this. We're the greatest democracy, the greatest constitutional republic, the best election system that the world ever created, and we should be able to fix this. That's a discussion that this country has to have even after this 2020 election is finally resolved and settled. That's what we're doing at Just the News. We're trying to raise and highlight the issues that can inform those debates in the weeks and months ahead. We'll be back tomorrow with another special guest. We're going to have Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House, joining us. He's going to talk about why putting the election system on trial is good for America, good for Donald Trump, good for Joe Biden, because we need to get this distrust behind us. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, here tomorrow. Don't miss it. We'll be back tomorrow with another great edition. Until then, have a good night, be safe, enjoy your family, and be sure to check out justthenews.com. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time 
IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews.